0: Welcome. I'm Elizabeth Glau, Product Marketing Manager for Science CO, makers of event bots, chat bots for events. You can find me on the socials at, at Elizabeth Glau.
1: Hello. I am Jen Cole, Community Manager for Social Media Examiner and co-founder of Depict Media. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jen Cole, I-C-T. And welcome to Make Me a Marketer.
2: Hello, hello. I am Megan Powers uh, at Megan Powers on Twitter. Uh, That's the best place to find me. And this is episode 17, the last episode of season one of Making a Marketer. And I'm super pumped. The title might sound funny, Human Marketing. For those of you who aren't in the know, we don't actually market to businesses. We market to people who work in those businesses. So I'm super pumped that we have Brian and Courtney Kramer on today and I'll introduce them in just a bit. Our show is sponsored today by Powers of Marketing, my business. We provide strategic marketing, communication, consulting, and execution for small to medium-sized businesses. We help our clients communicate more effectively, both internally and with their customers and prospects. Our goal is to help you increase your brand awareness and sales, of course, as a result. Okay. All right. I'm going to intro our guests. Welcome, Brian and Courtney.
3: Hi. Hi. Hey, how are you guys
2: doing? Good. Thank you for joining us. We know you're quite in demand. So we're like really stoked to have you on.
3: Thank you. So I'll
2: introduce Brian first, co-founder, president and CEO of Pure Matter. Brian is a social business strategist, author, marketer, and president CEO of Pure Matter in Silicon Valley. His first book, There is No B B2B or B2C, it's human to human, H to H reached the top one percent of business books. It's first week on Amazon. Amazing. And then at 16, he released his second title, Shareology, Understanding Sharing to Power Human Business, which I just freaking love. And we'll, we'll dig into that. Courtney, uh, his better half, a, a co-founder and executive creative director, author, and consultant of Pure Matter. Courtney Smith-Kramer is a marketing consultant. Executive creative director, strategist, designer, and author of the book, This is Great, 21 Reasons Creativity is Like Sex, Why Everyone Can Do It, Have a Sense of Humor About It, and Use It to Make the World a Better Place. (laughs) I just... That's so awesome. It launched in uh, November of 16 at the number one spot in business humor books on Amazon. She was also named to the top 200 global influencer in content marketing, earning this number 17 spot in agency strategy by UK-based Analytica. I should have asked how to say that. Analytica? And then just briefly about Pure Matter. Founded in 2002, uh, they helped Fortune 100 company, 1000 companies get clear and gain customers and revenue. They observed how much technology and need to scale quickly was preventing their clients from finding their voice and authentically connect- connecting with their customers. And this is what sparked their mantra that eventually started the h to h movement. There is no B2B or B2C, it's human to human, h to h Businesses don't have emotion, people do, and people do business with people. Yes. Amen, sister. <laughs> Anything I left out that you, you want to add to your? Your bios?
3: You want to talk about HH companies? Sure. Yeah. Um the HH companies are our latest creation. And based on the HH brand, we launched it to help marketers be better marketers. And so there's a lot of places that CMOs and, and director level marketers have, you know, a tough time with, with time and education and with all the skill sets that are coming at us every day trying to learn. So we launched HH companies to help um educate. And coach them into uh, into all the great things that are going on in marketing.
2: Right on, yeah. And I noticed that it looks like you're not like a typical agency that's just trying to help companies. You're trying to help agencies help be better with their their clients. Is that fair?
3: All marketers, um, yeah. uh, Any flavor, size, agencies and brands, and, and yeah, brands, entrepreneurs, business owners.
2: Right on, yeah. I often get asked, well, who do you? What do you market? Who do you market to? And I said, well, it depends on the needs and the customer. And the I don't discriminate. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> needs help, I'm down. So
3: yeah. yeah, we like to work with nice
4: people. That's that's our well. Career. Yeah, we have a no a hole. Can I say I can't say the whole of word.
2: course you can No A hole policy, <laughs> you could have even said the whole word. A yeah. hole is
4: like the no asshole policy.
2: <laughs> I love it, that's perfect. Yeah, kindness as a requirement. I should put that on my contracts.
4: Yep, I like that. Kindness as a
2: requirement. <laughs> there you go, uh, Unnegotiable. exactly. As I mentioned, the consultancy pure matter. Tell us, oh, you just like, yeah, I think you did a really good job of just of describing it. So, I'm gonna go on to, say, I want to know how how you two got together. It was a chicken or the egg thing. Were you working together already? Or kind of, cause I noticed on your website, it still says Courtney Smith. Well,
4: I mean, it's such a unique maiden name that I have. Clearly everyone would know. <laughs> 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 well, we, uh, we met at an advertising conference back in 1999 in the nineties. <laughs> it's crazy
3: to say. And I hired her without seeing her portfolio. Yeah. You had an eagle plan.
0: Aha, I see. That's yeah, awesome. I, Now we're getting to the truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: I, I was living in Michigan at the time and I had uh, a small freelance design firm and he was living in San Jose and was a marketing consultant. And that's where the hiring without looking at my portfolio story comes in. But yeah, we met. It was sort of like a bit of a lightning bolt. I, I hadn't believed in lightning bolts until I met this guy. So and then Aww. so then Pure Matter came out of...
3: Pure Matter of- was our first child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We dated long distance for two years. She was in Michigan I was in California. Yeah. California won out as as no surprise. Yeah. And um, and so she moved to California and we got married and started the business all in the same year.
2: Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. And you're still together. going strong. Congrats. That's
1: we are. <laughs> 19
3: years later.
2: Wow. It takes a special That's-
0: relationship to be able to work together.
1: Absolutely. That's amazing. We get asked that
4: all the time. Um, people are like, I would kill my wife if I worked <laughs> with work. her. I would kill my husband. And I, I think that the secret is mutual respect and clear definition. <laughs> of course, he's all, uh, <laughs> um, and clear definition of, of roles and responsibilities so that, you know, we're not in competition with each other. We're complementary to each other. Awesome. Um, could you add anything to that? Wine?
3: Yeah. We, we, <laughs> so I don't believe we've ever argued at work or about work. No. In 19 years, which I don't know how the fuck we did that.
4: Well, because we have similar know, it's amazing.
3: about, about
4: marketing, I think. And,
3: um, yeah. But it's, it, we're, I mean, she's, she's really great at things that I'm not.
2: And then that's, yeah. that's it. The yin and the Yang.
3: You BK, you complete me. Yeah. Aww. No, you know, so we we have um, we just like it's like a like puzzle pieces. Now I will tell you, we do argue outside of work. We talking about <laughs> about you know kid pickup and stuff. We're not like the perfect couple that oh, okay. like, doesn't argue.
0: <coughs> We're human. <laughs> So you're human. I was just going to say, are, segue to our topic. We right? <laughs> are humans. Yes. Yes. So you're humans.
4: Although and I, I think though, just to, to close up that point, um, it was always really important for us to, to stand as individuals in our business. So the reason for the Smith part is um, we didn't want anyone to know that we were married in business. Cause it doesn't, it's not relevant to the conversation at all. And unfortunately I, um, how you know our society is um when people would find out that we were married beforehand there were assumptions made that I was his secretary oh, no oh yeah I mean I see it but oh dang. no you didn't yeah. yeah totally <laughs> yeah so we were like let's not even open that conversation or allow for that to enter into anything so we're individuals and in marketing and that's it right I see that yeah. Awesome.
3: Yeah. That's why we write our own books and do some of our own things yeah. and, and support each other on those things. And then at other times we work on projects together.
4: That's why we don't have like a shared name like Brangelina. We don't have like, like Cryan or, <laughs> or, or <Girl>. Ortney. Ortney. <laughs> <laughs> Smithomer.
1: <Smith-Hummer. laughs>
4: Yeah. Trip? Put the put on the put no, that on the roadmap. This doesn't work, also. Just no one do that. It doesn't work. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So so speaking of your books, so as as Megan mentioned, there is the uh, the first, Brian's first book was there is no B2B or B2C. It's human to human, which you guys call H to H, which is great. So so I need I need a little bit of explanation, right? So catch me up. I always thought the reason that we sell differently to, to like B2B had to do with the fact that you had multiple layers of decision makers, right? And some of them you may never get the chance to actually, you know, engage with directly. And I've always agreed that, yes, all those layers of of decision makers are humans, right? So I do kind of love this concept. But um, by saying there's no B2B, like, are you saying that sales and marketing don't need to factor that in, you know, those multiple layers of decision makers in that B2B environment? Or is that like more of a myth or is that just less important? What
3: is your take on that? Yeah, I know you have something to add here too but I, I'll kick it off and and say that it's not necessarily what goes on inter- internally is what, how you're perceived externally it's how the customer sees you and the customer at this point or at least when I wrote the book now it's 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 actually changing so it's it's grown into a kind of a slightly different conversation but and, and actually one correction about the book is what is when the book was written it was actually written in four days and it was written in four days because there was like a I guess a am it went viral and everyone was asking us, what does this mean? And asked exactly the same question you just said. And we, <laughs> so, so not very unique, but I can see that. <laughs> well, not like they, they yeah. had different words, but same. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we were like, okay, well we, ha- we need to get a book out about this. And the, the, Good news is that 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 I had written blogs about this specific thing for the previous two years. So it wasn't like we we're reinventing what this means. We had been talking about it in our agency for almost 16 years. Mm-hmm. And so it was a matter of pulling together the blogs. And then so unfortunately, Courtney doesn't have her name on the book, although she should. But uh, so for the next four days, our our son was sick and she was home and she actually edited all of the writing together and made it sound actually smart. And so uh, so it's actually, it became an answer to what everyone was asking for a good two weeks before, before we, we said, you know what, let's get the book out. Um, and that, that answer to your question is that everyone has access to the customer, everyone from the, from the front desk to the engineer, to in the HR, to customer service to the president, to you know, marketing, engineering. Everyone inside of the company can get on Twitter and see what the customer is saying. And if they're given permission, they can even reply back and and talk to the customer. That was never that way before social media happened. It was always customer service only or the CEO. And so this, this dynamic shifted about 10 years ago when social media had first started, because social media is not really that old. It, you know Facebook hasn't been alive that long. And now, uh, four years ago, when when that was said, it took off. And then now it's shifted into... Um, A slightly different meaning of being human because of artificial intelligence and machine learning and virtual reality and augmented reality and um, marketing automation and bots and the list list goes on right. So now, what does it mean to be human is completely not completely changed. It's on top of and what does that mean, which is a whole different discussion. But well, and I love what you say. I'll I'll answer a question in a second, but.
4: I love what you say about what, what are the competitive advantages that humans do have over machines? Because there are some, I mean, at least not yet. Mm-hmm. Machines can't tell a joke or write a funny script or, you know, a, a meaningful poem. They cannot emote. They do not have emotions. You know, so sense of humor, emotion, celebrating imperfection, because computers don't have context, right? Because there's still data in, data out. They may be learning over time, but it's still because they're churning data that has been input from a human at some point. So, anyway, that's intangible, But I love yeah. that what you
0: say our chatbots actually do tell jokes, but they were obviously written by humans.
4: Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so to answer your question about B two B or, or B two C, my answer is more pragmatic from a marketing standpoint because you know I, I'm a writer and a designer, and it's all about just speaking to what the consumer of the information needs what do they need what's the problem that we're trying to solve what are their challenges and then how are we speaking to them in order to make them pay attention or take action or whatever and it doesn't matter if they if they're in a channel <laughs> you know if they're reselling something they still have their own needs and they're going to have to make decisions about who they work with or not and empowering say a channel for instance we've done a lot of you know channel marketing in our in our career but it's empowering the channel with whatever the tools and messaging is that they need to then understand and turn around and then sell to their customer. So right. it's, it's just a chain of, of what do you need and I'll create marketing that's going to resonate with you. I can empower with you with tools <laughs> you know, if you're selling to someone else, but that, that's not necessarily a B2B or B2C. We're just talking mm-hmm. directly to humans and solving problems. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great.
1: So one thing that I run into as a community manager for social media, but also for a lot of other clients, we are dealing with in real time conversations and, you know, and that it, of course includes negative interactions and negative feedback. So as a brand, it's often hard to keep the human element in mind, you know, when you're dealing with the negative feedback online, because, you know, your brands are baby a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's sometimes easy to just quick react and, you know, Go with something that is not necessarily how you should be representing your brand anywhere. So how do you coach your clients on the value of transparency and truly letting your human show, you know, through the brand?
4: Yeah. Well, I love the, what the word that you just said, which is react, because there's a difference between reacting
1: and responding. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs>
4: so I think it's, yes, transparency. I, I think it's, it's understanding what, what is the outcome of any conversations that you want to have being aware of that and being aware of what the, what the impact of the conversation is that you want to have with them. So in when you're reacting to someone out of anger or you know defensiveness because someone you feel someone's attacking your brand, then the impact of that is that you're going to have to clean that up later. <laughs> you know, probably be like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't really mean to do that." But when when you're in response that usually includes a bit of a pause and a lot of questions. You know, because people in our experience anyway, people are are Coming um, negatively towards a brand because they had a bad experience, or you know, or they're a troll. In which case, you can just ignore them, you know. But if they're truly disgruntled, or you know, had a bad experience with your brand, then there's a lot to be learned from that too, you know. I mean, we're all part. One of the tenets of HH is celebrate our imperfection, and instead of hiding it or pretending like everyone's perfect, that is so not in existence, anywhere. So I feel like acknowledging the problem, asking them questions, and getting in conversation with them because really what we found is anytime someone complains publicly in social media, it's just because they feel like they're not getting heard. You know, in science, right. and you know, it's usually. I know we do it. You know, sometimes we try not to do it a lot, but I know. You know, like for customer service for airlines, for instance, like if you call and you can't get it, you're like human agent, agent. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get anyone online. Then you know, turning to, to Twitter and just like DMing them or something usually gets a reaction. But at that point, it's too late because someone people rarely start there. <laughs> you know, they they just want to talk to someone to have someone help them solve a problem.
2: Absolutely, empathy Absolutely. empathy goes a long way.
3: Sure yeah. It does yeah, which is another tenet of change by the way. So uh, I. I totally agree. I, I agree, uh, you know, how we react. So I'll say two things to add to that. One is that, I, and I do this with teams that I work with, where we actually sit around the table and answer the same questions that we would online, but but with each other. And I think if you have to stare someone in the face and answer something, then your response should be the same way online. And most of us hide behind online because we think that we're anonymous it's kind of like picking your nose in the car thinking no one can see you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was a scratch. Yeah, of course. That Seinfeld episode. Was-
3: <laughs> exactly. With a name like Kramer, I've never, you know, I love that show. <laughs> right. That love that show. So I do think that getting around the table in person with your team and, and taking those actual instances and practicing them, is probably a critical, uh, critical human uh, function that we need to all be practicing if we're going to be anywhere in public or talking with anyone online. And, and then, and then I'd say, answer the same way you would in person as you would online. Mm-hmm. Try not to be any different. But the second thing I'd say happens actually well before the problem even happens. Most people are angry because. Because of something that actually happened that they're still upset about. And that means that they had a bad instance or a bad scenario with your brand at some point, and they're still upset about it. It's usually not just one thing. Like, I can't tell you, I already have a preconceived notion of how I'm going to react the next time at and screws me. <laughs> I'm, I, I already know how I'm going to act with certain brands because I'm, I'm expecting it. You know, I know that they're going to do that to me. So turn that around and um, build a thank you department. You know, how many companies have thank you departments that actually reach out to people well in advance and say, thanks for being a customer. We wanted to give you a special thank you. We wanted to tweet you just thanks for being a customer. We want to say, we want to highlight somebody because they did something cool. And I don't, I mean, nine times out of 10 people tell me they don't have a thank you department. And I'm like, well, there's your problem. You're, you have a reaction department. You don't have a thank you department. Mm-hmm. You can turn your whole company around with that one thing.
2: For sure. So I do marketing for three restaurants in Seaport Village, at which I know that two of you have dined. I know for a fact you had a, You had a HDH gathering, I think, at Harbor House. Yes, um, we love is, that place. Yeah, that's, so that's one of my restaurants. And I have um, some Ooh. raving fans who are just so awesome on social media. So I started doing Thankful Thursdays. I don't do it every week. And what I've found is by thanking our community, and then it comes back. And I we get I get like these lengthy you know you, it's obvious you care about your community and all this kind of stuff and I'm like oh that's because I feel you know I work in a bubble right like I work for my clients but it's the community that I'm engaging with the most and so when I get that back it's amazing so I'm in the thank you department for the restaurants that I work with I really love are that. that's an amazing perspective thank you for being the thank you department. <laughs> Thanks all around. Right on. Okay, so I want to move on to Shareology, your book that came after H2H. So I want to know what inspired you to write it. But within that, just wanted to say that you you have this idea in there that sharing is powering the human economy, which I think is so profound. And then I just want to read a little blurb from your book. Brands most, most often turn to technology first to make quick connections at scale, but forget what makes people want to interact with them in the first place a human to human connection. This is especially true on social channels. So tell us about social our shareology and the shareability quotient and all that good
3: stuff. Yeah, that's a that kind of haven't been asked that question. I was gonna in say hold years. on, let me go get the book uh, so we can review reminded I, of what it is. No, it's I, I remember. I remember <laughs> it <after>. it's okay. <laughs> if only I remembered every word I ever wrote. I get that. <laughs> I know, right? right? So the 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 quotient is basically that what you when you share something that the more you share about that thing, the more people will start to identify you around that topic. And to boil that down to its basic meaning is that what you are, what you share. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to want to be more of a financial or I want to become like an analyst of some kind in technology, then it would be easy enough, as long as it's authentic, because I think people can call you out on it. But if it's authentic, I could probably go either write or find articles and just start sharing that for the next like month straight. And people would start seeing me differently. They would start, like, identifying me as, you know, that in that category. So we, the good news is that we can change the trajectory of what we share and how people see us. The bad news is that I think people do this in a fake way, and they share stuff all the time just simply from, you know a bad perspective to get people to think I'm really good at this. You should hire me because I do think that there are um, some qualities that people need to learn, like skill sets. You need to learn to back what you say. Uh And that's the bad side. That's the dark side of social media is that you can really like put across, you know, any kind of brand that you want. And people are going to, people are going to see you for that. The proof is still in the work in the actual, you know, putting that Mm -hmm. you can actually do what you say you can do. So while the share, shareology quotient, the sharing quotient is equal to, or, or uh, Or greater than, greater than what you share. You can't change that. Um, just, just make sure you can back it. Well, and I I think what's
4: in there, and there's probably some really interesting additional research that we could do about this, but it's, it's the, the, I hate this word because it's so overused, but like the authenticity of, of the, the content that you're sharing, how are you talking about it? It's not just retweeting other people's content. That doesn't make you an expert in that field, you know, but it's a combination of stuff. It's yes, cho- choosing a certain group of people that are, are aligned with the, the values and the beliefs that you share. It's sharing your own thoughts about it and getting into really powerful conversations about why you feel this way. It's, it's even helping to promote others that you may or may not know, you know, who are maybe also saying some similar things about other topics. And so I think it's that combination. I know you we
3: use the rule of thirds, you know, the, for social media sharing. It's right? uh, like if you're a photographer, you know, offsetting your photo to make it more interesting. So you take a photo in the rule of thirds which is what most photographers would tell you. The design principle. It applies to social media as well. Right. yeah. And sharing it. Yeah, I was going to say something else about that. I forgot. It was going to be great.
4: I, I forgot what I was going to share about sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Why
2: I find Twitter chats to be so cool, because you end up engaging with people you hadn't engaged with before. You get connected to people you hadn't before and you're giving real honest answers to these questions that are getting asked. And there's always a guest, right? Like so the expert that's in there. But then everyone else is sharing their you know, personal opinions and expertise. And I just find that it's like a power session on sharing. Yeah.
4: I love tweet chats.
2: Same. And I I do, I've started to recommend them to my clients. Like, Hey, why don't you, why don't you start one or, or, Flip side is, here's this list of all these tweet chats that already happen, Mm -hmm. are already happening, get in on those conversations, especially if they're a subject expert on the, on whatever the topic is for the week. Yeah. Um, we can give them credibility and it's authentic and it's real. And obviously they are trying to sell their, whatever it is, right? They're just trying to be seen, but then it gets some exposure that they might not get.
4: Yeah, you know, I um I thought this was an interesting concept our friend uh, Janet Fouts, who you may or may not know. She she's been doing some wine wine tweet chats where she'll have like the wine brand send the participants wine and then it's like a a Twitter tasting. <laughs> nice i know how
2: interesting is that jen has a wine client i if you could see her face right now this is a podcast that you
4: can't but she just, her jaw just dropped <laughs> yes brilliant it's really fun because then everyone they're like okay everyone let's take a sip of the first one what do you taste <laughs> like wow people are- of it and sharing and then mm-hmm.
1: let's move on to the next one Looks
0: <laughs> like such a great idea that, that is amazing yeah i like it that's that's awesome so i noticed that there, i pulled something i think on uh for your website you had a little like uh, tagline of, of sorts that said the art and science of sharing i just picked up on that because we also use the art and science of ai chat as like our tagline so which which part is and, and i could totally guess Of the two of you, which part is art and which part is science? (laughs) I'll let you answer the question, like, you know, as far as the brand of the company and so the art and science of sharing, which part is the art and which part is the science?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about us that way, but um, (laughs) Uh, I'm projecting projecting it onto you. (laughs) Take it, project away. Yeah, Yeah. you know, this is I mean, just just take a Facebook post and let's let's deconstruct that for a second. And what I mean by that is like a paid ad uh, post, because not all posts do well. And it's not just because of the Facebook algorithm. It's, there's an art and there's a science to it, right? And then you could apply this to every other platform. I'm just picking on this one. But when you just put a photo out and a thought, that thought, the, first of all, it's the, the art is, is the photo. Like You can replace it with three photos and do some A-B testing. You'll figure out real quickly which one of those photos is going to work the best. You can also A-B test the content and put the right photo with it and realize that it's not just the photo, it's also what's being said that works. And then, and then the third thing is, is the actual topic itself and what, what happens with um, how, how much interest there is and where that, what audience that fits against. That, that's just one thing in the whole freaking funnel. <laughs> and yeah. then you start looking at, uh, you know, the, the, the actual piece that you're trying to collect, you know, when you're trying to collect their email address and the landing page and the color of the buttons, and then, mm-hmm. you know, the content that's there. And is it too, too much white space or not enough? And then you start to like, figure out that the ad is not converting correctly with that landing page, and it just keeps going. It's cyclical, right? And then all of a sudden, one day you hit this magical combination, and and you're getting leads, and you're like, oh my god, that only took ten months. Mm-hmm. And uh, why 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 don't I get the silver bullet like like uh, you know like Gary Vaynerchuk, and he can just put out a tweet and gets lots of lead conversions, <laughs> and, and hit, you know so so I I don't think first of all. Uh, I don't think that there is a silver bullet Um, and it is an art and a science to do everything that I just said. If you want to, if you have to work really hard at getting... A prop, I mean, it's not just social media. Socials the intro. It's the h to h piece of the whole thing. And then it's at the top of the funnel. It's what we use to build the initial relationship, to build trust at the top of the funnel that then puts people into a potential relationship where they can can get more about you and learn more about you. And then there's the intimacy side where they can actually then work with you, where you actually get paid to do what you need to do. And that's the close. So art and science all the way through, I don't know if that answered your question, but it's a, a constant and never-ending improvement um, that we're working on. Yeah, that, that's great. And I think I think Jen has a good follow-up question about content.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, nowadays on social or anywhere else, when it comes to telling a brand story, the content is, is definitely the key. It really is. And, and it comes down to creating an experience, in my opinion, for your customers and for the people that, that are viewing your brand. So when it comes to content, are you finding that there is a certain type of content that performs well across all brands, or do you find that it's more, you know, this industry responds better to this kind of content, this industry responds better to this kind of content? What, what would you say, or do you think it's a mix of both?
4: I would say that it's not industry; it's always comes down to the customer, no matter what about what they need. Here's an example. Just because we recently went through this, I'll give a shout out to. I'm, I'm serving as a, as a fractional global head of marketing right now for the Coaches Training Institute, which is the leading gold standard for coach training and leadership development around the world. They're an amazing company. And we just went through the, the process with this great company called Buyer Legends. Um, you may know the Eisenberg, Jeffrey Eisenberg, uh, Brian Eisenberg, and Mia Erickson. This is their company we went through. And what they do is we went through this entire six-month process of trying to really get to the core of what our, our buyer or our customer persona narratives are and trying to understand where are the gaps in their buyer journey that we could be filling with content. And what came out of it was 26 pages of content recommendations, over 30 blog ideas, five lead magnet ideas, and, and. And the reason why I thought this was so great is because it it was able to identify things like, let's say, let's say that there's an influencer, not like a social media influencer, but someone inside of an organization who's been tasked with finding a leadership development company. They're not the decision maker, but they've the one, the person inside the company that's been tasked with it. Well this person needs stuff like I need a PowerPoint, you know, that that outlines everything that I need to bring to my boss who is going to make this decision. That's not a piece of content that out of our, the top of our heads we would say, "Hey, let's create this because I think that, you know, people might respond to it." It's a, an extremely functional level piece of content that would really make their lives easier. You know, another example is let's say I am an entrepreneur. And I'm just looking for someone who can keep me accountable and on track. And I I really just need like a business coach, you know? So what I need is I need to go and find case studies and I need to find testimonials of other entrepreneurs so that I can make this decision. So it's truly understanding what that journey is of your customers that gets them even to you in the first place and understanding their pain, understanding their challenges, and then creating the content that fills the gap.
3: I, there's not much I can add to that, uh, other than one one thing, because I think you should just say infographics. No, <laughs> yeah. no I'm kidding. Snapchat. That's all. Snapchat. Yeah, that's, right. that's It's the of all of that's our like answer to everything. Right. No. If you, Snapchat. Then there's nothing more I can say. Uh, I'll drop the mic right there. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can't stand it, by the way. So um, I actually just add one more thing. And this is not, uh, I I totally agree. It's not, there's not platform or content specific, but I do think that then it's entertainment. Uh, The entertainment value of content is what helps the content to become more relevant. I think every person wants to be entertained on some level. Mm-hmm. And so how we get the attention for any individual when they're when they're getting like massive amounts of content being projected at them on their phones and their in their own homes, you know, everywhere on the road. It's gotta be entertaining on some level. It doesn't mean it has to be humorous, mm-hmm. although that works really well, but it does have to be entertaining on some level, I think. Yeah. Engaging.
1: Engaging. Yeah, absolutely. The
3: buzzword bingo that <laughs> <laughs>
2: We can play that on the show
4: <laughs> all the time. Activation
2: is another another buzzword that we've had we've had a guest on that hates that word and then we kept saying and it was really Which word was it? I'm sorry. Activation. Activation. How about synergy? Oh, that's a good one. How yeah,
4: about yeah. innovation? Good one. Bingo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, I'm up. So uh, <laughs> one of the, I was, I was poking around and I, I found your H2H club and I noticed one of the topics you had there was uh, email marketing and chatbots are the new black. I emphasize the and cause you had it in all caps. So this obviously caught my attention because my company's chatbots are solving the problem of event attendees, not reading their email. So have you found a way for, for email and chatbots to work together, or is there a reason you think
3: that they're both important right now? Sorry, is the question for email and chatbots to work together, or well, is I that so the,
0: the title you have there of the, like that theme of that month yeah. was email marketing and chatbots are the new oh, black. Okay. So I, I wasn't sure like, if what you're saying there is like, these are two of the things you should be focusing on, or do you see them working together?
3: Oh, okay. I, I see what you're saying. Yes. yes yes. okay great next question (laughs) so the thing about chatbots and I'm probably preaching the choir here because if you're a chatbot person you know this but a lot of people started off with chatbots by making their chatbots try to be feel human and that's just wrong I think they're nowhere near any kind of intelligence they're not artificial intelligence in Mm -hmm. fact they're not even machine learning Some are, they try to say they are, but, but it really is a long ways away, especially for most people that are doing it themselves, like the do it yourself chat bot, well, you know, using many tools or one of those things, it's, it's all, uh, you know, whatever you put it, like any, any machine, it's what you like Courtney said, the input that you put in is what you get out of it. Love it, love it. And so like when I built my chat bot, I named my chat bot Harold and Harold the chat bot. And and he says, hi, I'm Harold the chat bot. Uh, Brian's not here right now, but if you do want to talk to him, just say chat with human and Brian will pop on and talk to you in the next 24 hours. And so up front, I'm saying like, I'm not pretending to be a bot. Right. I don't. I am not sitting around waiting for you to talk to me every day, but I have some really interesting content for you. Would you like to see some of that and get to know who Brian is? And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think that a lot of people are now abusing bots and, and it's becoming a little bit spammy. It's like anything else, like, the marketers flock to that one thing that's really, yeah. you know, a shiny penny. And, um, <laughs> no toy. and so, um, so, but I think you can stand out. I, I personally I get higher, the highest open rates on chatbots more than I do on emails. I get the highest click rates on chat bots more than I do on emails. And, um, and I have a, a much more focused quality comp audience on chatbots than I do on emails. And so I do think that using a, uh, you know, like a Zapier, I'm getting all geeked out now, but Zapier, like, you know, moving between a chatbot and your email system is totally worth it so that you can actually start doing omnipresence and and omni-channel and really being where the customer is at. And then, and then also, you know, personalizing the information depending upon where they like to have content. So um, I'm all for it. And I think that having them both work together is even better, but most people aren't even there yet. I think they're just trying to get their chatbot up and running and Trying to make it work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Science. Science. <laughs> for sure. I call science. <laughs> Courtney's the art and
0: Brian's the science. It's official. <laughs> it's official. Thank you for the clarification. We can yeah. we are
1: complete. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So on the chatbot conversation, when, when mapping out chatbot responses for your own brand or for, you know, clients that you're coaching, you know, to do it for themselves, what is one tip that you can share about the process for getting started and creating a successful experience for customers?
3: I would say hire Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, I mean just do that. Thanks Brian. <laughs> and then you'll be all set. Because <laughs> yeah, we've, we've already
0: mapped out all the responses for you. <laughs> I think because ours, ours is ours is a little bit more sophisticated. I think I think Jen's probably referring to like the the DIY, yeah.
3: you know, bot builders. Right. Um, so again, you know, you want it to come off like I like using humor personally because I think that again people just want to be entertained, mm-hmm. and I, th- I I get a lot of responses on mine just because they're like, okay, that's funny, and then I reply back and go, thank you, <laughs> and they're like, what the heck <laughs> is this, Brian or the chatbot? No, I'm kidding. Um, so <laughs> you know, they they I think injecting humor, and so what I what I did is I actually wrote out like you know, the, the, I wrote out the sequence, which is very linear. And then I write out, you know, if, if they use the following like six words, I want you to like, here are the six responses that I want you to to have. And then I have a default response almost like a 404 error page. So if they say something that's that they don't know, then it'll say, hey, I'm just a bot, Harold, do you want to talk to Brian? I'm just, I'm still learning. I'm just a baby and baby bot or something like that. I can't remember what I wrote, but something like that. And so you know you just kind of think through like if this then this scenarios and write it, write it down. Even better again, sit around the table and, and play uh-huh. play QA and figure out like Okay, if I say this, then respond verbally and then capture that and put it down on paper. Well It's like a table read when like I write screenplays in my spare time
4: for fun by the way, and so when you're trying to write for dialogue, it's much different than you're writing for you know marketing or you know anything even even a book is, is much different, so I think that's a great idea. You could even just record a conversation or, or read your script out loud and if it feels wooden when you when you play it back, then it's going to feel wooden.
3: <laughs> But but you know even like take it a step back and and just get something up and have two responses and that's way better because then you know, what I did is I learned through actual you know people talking to the bot and so you know I could capture what they're saying and then go oh that's a good I should put a response in for that and then I just build it and and over the course of six months you you can learn through through doing no nothing wrong with that either mm-hmm.
4: doesn't have to be perfect I like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Social media marketing world, of course, was like, that's where the big, the shiny thing always comes about, right? Like chatbots was the thing. This year. And of course, I left there going, I'm totally going to create a chatbot. Have I done anything? No.
4: <laughs> I did the same thing. I was like,
3: dude, we had to have a chatbot.
2: Well, I love, I don't know if you, uh, Amanda, the Amanda and Kelly show, that uh, Kelly Mirabella and Amanda Robinson are like super hot on chatbots right now. And they have a live show on Facebook and they have created this like, it's like a game show where like they have all these all these like different questions and you win prizes and stuff it's super cool so while they're on their live they say if you want to get involved in the in the game or get on the leaderboard you know type this word in the mess or in the whatever oh, yeah. in the chat and then you instantly get an IM it's really it's super cool they're doing some really really neat stuff i mean obviously as an example of entertainment and it's just for fun, but they're actually proving their abilities, right? Oh,
4: yeah. by doing. I think that. Facebook Messenger, like that whole connection with the comments and then the bot and Messenger is, is really going to blossom. I think the Facebook privacy data privacy
1: breach kind of put a blip in that for a bit. Yeah. But I, I think it's going to really come back
4: strong, like stronger than it was even before as people are thinking through the functionality in, layered into what Facebook Messenger is going to allow. But I, I think there's some going to be huge opportunities there. For sure.
2: So I am a, a big part of my career experience and what I'm passionate about is live events, face-to-face, that human face-to-face experience. And I, I saw one of your, on your website that you said you um, want to help your clients create experiences to move their business forward. So that just kind of got me thinking, I I wonder how, how do events play into what, how the work that you do with
4: your clients. Mm. Oh my, can I take this? Cause you know, events are my fave. Yeah, go. go. <laughs> I also, events to me are are the best, like the engagements. And we, uh, a, a large part of our, our business was creating and managing influencer programs for brands. And when we say influencer, meaning like micro influencers, subject matter experts that we're already talking about it. And then building structure and framework around these programs to try to figure out how can we keep these people in our world for the brand and deliver meaningful experiences for them that set them up to share their their real thoughts, you know, not not planted like you have to say this, but their real genuine thoughts about not only the brand and what what it is that they're doing but also about the experiences that this brand is giving them. So part of the I'll just give you a, an example we we started in, and built and ran the very first influencer programs in IBM so our very first ex, like more structured experiences was for their social business group and they were launching a new email product in New York around it was a, a very big deal for them like it included AI and social media and so we Had a a variety of about thirty different influencers there, and we we created this thing called a thinkathon, and we got uh, this was happening the day before the big announcement, the big launch event, because we wanted to give our influencers not only early opportunity to, to talk to these IBM executives who were highly involved in creating this product, but also help them reimagine the future of work. You know, as We're we're thinking about the introduction of new technologies, social media, and and email. So it was very related to this product, but it was not... Product driven at all, so we rented a, this loft in New York City, which was the same loft that was in a movie. That we realized later, we were like, "Oh my god, that's our thing."
2: That sucks.
4: <laughs> that uh, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, and so we rented a loft for the day, and we flew all these influencers in, and we uh, hired Faith Popcorn. I don't know if you ever remember. She wrote this book called The Popcorn Report way back in the eighties. She's a futurist, and um, we we hired her to come and, and sort of give the keynote. And she's a very dystopian <laughs> imaginer of the future, um, but she was actually the, the one that predicted cocooning way back in the 80s because we were going to have everything delivered to us and eventually no one leaves their house and we lose human connection in the end. <laughs> so but anyway, the, the cool part about it was she really broke everyone's brain in that way and made them think about things in a different way. And then we took took uh, everyone and had them break off into smaller groups and, and be thinking about like, as it pertains to, you know, HR, what does the future of work look like for that? And as it pertains to marketing, what does the future look like? And the content and relationships that came out of that experience, not only fueled a campaign for, for over a year, two years, it helped the the hashtag, which was new way to work, start trending in preceding the launch of their product, which got something like Two billion impressions over the two years. Like it was an oh. insane amount of impressions. It was three, but that's three billion. Sorry. <laughs> 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 but who's counting? <laughs> but I think that the important thing was in, in addition to just this this uh, the the work part and the content piece for the campaign, we also surprised them with like an iron chef cook-off at the International Culinary Center that night. They had no idea that they were gonna do it, but it was a highly crafted and thoughtful experience because <laughs> it encouraged teamwork, it was fun. And the surprise made it even more enjoyable and, and forging those deeper relationships with each other because it is through those experiences that you forge the relationship that's necessary to carry you through to the next event where you're going to meet face to face and keep you motivated to sharing content in between. Right. right. You mean you know, couldn't drawing. do
2: all that on Zoom video? Weird. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <kid. laughs> Sorry, Brian. I didn't mean to. Did you have some dad?
3: Oh no, no, no. I was just going to say it was amazing because people got so close Yeah, and they had so many like it, you know, that, you know, when you have it, you know, the inside jokes that you form with people and then the inside jokes play onto like a tweet and no one else gets it, but you, you know, the people that were there and that's what we, that's what started happening. Their, their internal, not that there was all these inside jokes, but just that everyone had this bond. And when content came out, they were even more proud of it and they're proud of it together. Yeah. And that's what I think is missing from most events. They create the event and they leave the event at the event. Yeah. And it doesn't, take on a whole life of itself afterwards. And so this whole experience was really built to, to take off this. I mean, it was to build future relationships. Yeah.
4: Well, and I, and I think having a successful event and when I say event, I mean, anything, this is like a webinar or uh, an actual conference or a party or any, anything, there's a story arc. You have to think through the story arc of, of what, what is the narrative of of the event that you want to tell, and how do you want them to go into the piece, like where the the actual meat is, or the you know like the aha of, of the experience, and then how do you want them to exit it? What do you want them to be talking about? I mean, the, it, it has to be designed, highly designed, you know, for it for it to be meaningful. And I, I think that that's what's missing, and part of that is delivering the stuff that you want to talk about, enabling experiences that lets them talk about the stuff they want to talk about, and then giving them space to be human. Like, don't ask them to leave an event at midnight and be somewhere at eight in the morning. Like, be thoughtful and mindful of the, of those kinds of things,
0: because was my entire week, what are you talking about? <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. I, know, <laughs> wait a I just described our
0: entire week too, but yeah. you know I mean?
4: yeah. like it, it's just thinking, thinking through how, how are they going to feel like if they're all flying in the night before and they're coming from different time zones, don't make them show up at seven in the morning for a breakfast. You know, it's give them some space to be, let them have time during the day to go check their work stuff. Like, have, have the wifi password everywhere. So they don't have to wonder and, you know, think about it. So I, I think it's just really thinking through those human touch points that makes it extra memorable and it makes people want to share it and talk about and come back that was, sure. that was beautiful, Courtney. You just yeah. like, totally
0: described my entire career. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I, like, like, I want to just cut that out. <laughs> Use that to your yes. Right. I was yeah. like, this is how we should design events. Listen to Courtney. She's got yes. time right now.
4: It's so true though, because a lot of people don't think about that. And it's it's too bad because it's such a waste of money and energy, you know, when they don't.
2: So Elizabeth and I just got back from the meeting Professionals International World Education Congress, the WEC um, conference. It was in Indy, and the theme of it was creating experiences, not events. And they they really, I think, did a good job of doing a lot of what you just described. Granted, we did have an 830 keynote which they weren't calling keynotes. They were calling them like pep rallies. They actually had bleachers oh. on the floor, exhibit floor where the sessions were and everything. And it was really, wow. They, they really made a lot of risky changes this year, which I think really, really paid off. And like, Lizna, we're talking talking about how the, the flow of it was different and got everyone talking about, about it. And, and the way that it ended was so interesting. Normally we end with like a little keynote and, or, and then there's a party. Well, Instead, like the party started at 2.45 in the afternoon and we went to the Indianapolis Speedway and we got to, we got to ride in pace cars on the track. It was was so awesome. But that's how it ended. It was like, well, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. It was just, it was very different. But yeah, so she and I have, have worked in that space for a long time and sometimes they do it well and sometimes they do.
4: Yeah. Well, so, uh, and, you know, to your point though, like doing stuff, getting people out of their environment and into a new environment that they haven't experienced before, that's actually what causes divergent thinking, which leads to creativity. And that's what you want people to have in their minds as they're experiencing that because people don't ever forget who gives them great experiences. It's like, I mean, I hope none of you guys have done this. Maybe if you had this is just how I feel about it. Like when brands give holiday gifts to people, don't brand them, please don't like just no one wants to be given something that has your logo on it just because like you're giving them a gift because no one, no one forgets when you give them something cool, they're like, Oh, that's right. I got that from, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know? So that's just my PSA for the day. Please stop branding your holiday gifts.
2: (laughs) Appreciate that. So Jen, Jen has a, I think is going to, Ask the final official question of the day, which is super important. All right.
4: She's oh, in now, and now it's a cliffhanger.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to ask it. So, are you guys speaking any social media days this month? Yeah. And what? Tell us about that and where you're going to
3: be. Now it's just just myself. Um, uh, and Courtney will be uh, remote in at Lima, Lima, so, Lima. It's Jessica Phillips, Jessica Phillips. Yeah.
4: Nice. Yeah.
3: L- Lima, Ohio. Do you remember yeah. the day?
4: Yes. uh, June 20th and 21st in Lima, Ohio, there's an amazing lineup of speakers. I was originally scheduled to be there. We were going to do a live hot seat, which is something that we do inside of our H2H club, which is where we take two of our members on zoom and we live coach them through any of their business challenges. So that's the, that's the goal. Um, I was going to be there in person, but unable to do that. So hopefully can remote in. Yep. Yeah. And do that.
2: So Jen, going to be part of the caravan that goes from, I don't, I know Lima is one of the spot stops, Denver, Wichita, obviously Oh, with Fanzo? Yeah. And Damien and yeah, um, yeah that whole crew. So you uh, guys are crazy, right? I, I can't, I just, I really wish, but I'm going to be in Tuscany. Uh, drinking wine that week, so I'm I can't make it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I, I, we will be following that caravan closely on on the socials, right? For, like, for why sure. wouldn't you want to sponsor that? group right going from city to city
2: so i saw Fanzo put up a video recently like with a if you want to sponsor dm me so i'll be i'll be looking for that too right
4: yeah. <laughs> that looks cool yeah, yeah last, last year we were at social media day denver which is um put on by Erin and sell and it's really a great event too so she, she does a great job up there yeah.
2: yeah i'm pretty sure that's where they end like that that's the right that's the culmination of the whole oh, week that. all right so real quick what's the latest tech app gadget thing you're you guys are geeking out on go
4: ahead i have mine yeah mine is (laughs) dictionary.com app mostly because i get push notifications about a word of the day i'm being a writer i'm a total word nerd so i love love the the science of meaning and understanding about uh Also, the the, thesaurus part, too, which is really hard to say the thesaurus. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) But I will share the word of the day is vociferous, which means uh, bearing or producing berries. All right. Never forget that.
2: I love they've gotten a little political, too. I kind of like.
4: Oh, can I just share real quick? I know this is like the last question, but we were at the the Collision Conference a couple of weeks ago in New Orleans. We got a chance to interview Liz McMillan, who is the CEO of Dictionary.com. And I was a huge fan before, but the fact that I would sit down with her and have this interview was unbelievable. She's super smart, whip smart lady. And I told her, I was like, your Twitter game is strong. And she's like, well, it's not just all me, but she said, what we realized is that it's really important for people to understand meaning and what these words are. And, and most people don't take the time to understand the true meaning of a word. And so they are getting... She's like, we try to stay, you know, in in the middle, like without necessarily taking, you know, one side or the other. But she said, if Donald Trump is gonna use the word collision incorrectly, we're gonna call him on it. <laughs> or not collision, collusion. Collusion? I was gonna say. <laughs>
1: That's okay. classic. I was I was about saying, okay. my wish for
4: him in a collision. Is also, collision. <laughs> I not go there. Entered your mind totally. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like because there was some college psychology involved in it. Brian, what about you?
3: Mine would have to be dictionary.com. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, actually, I'm, I'm kind of biased because I'm working with a, a company and right now, working with a lot of companies, but this one company. In particular, has built uh, this tool that has it's it's really cool. So it's got artificial intelligence, uh, IBM Watson, built into it, and it will take like you can you can put your link, uh, the link to your blog post, in it, and click submit, and it generates dozens of social media posts out of it automatically that you can then just go schedule. Uh, Right away and have weeks and weeks worth of social media posts that are all from what you've written. So it's not like, you know, it's not inauthentic, it's not making up stuff, it's actually taking your blog and just reorganizing it into posts, which is, it takes like three to four hours a week for people to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a massive time saver. It's called, it's called lately. And if you want to test it out, um, it's called the con- social content generator and you can go to trylately.com and they've got a free version that you can use and, and just dump all your, your blog content into it or your blog, just dump your blog. Links. Well, you can copy and paste. There's no limit to the content. You can copy and paste in there. Too. No more copy and pasting. It's all links. Oh,
4: links. Yeah. Wow. I do have to say one thing, like just I'll share Cause I use it it actually writes better social posts than I could myself. And that, that was a tough pill to swallow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, Aye. yeah. It takes your posts and, 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 and makes them just slightly better. Yeah. It's really good. Well, they're, stuff.
4: they're just more interesting. Like, yeah, it, it, it was a different way of thinking. Yeah,
2: I love that. That's fantastic. Okay. So we're over a little bit, but I mean, we could talk to you guys forever and ever. I will say that this, since this is ending season one, we're going to kick off season two with a reunion show. And so like all your friends, Brian Fanzo and Jessica and uh, Madeline Sklar and all of the, all, hopefully you can make it. Our goal is to, you know, we'll have like groups of people. So like it'll, everyone will be in shifts. So you won't have to commit an hour. You know, you'll have like ten minutes or something. And I think we'll have to do two parts because everyone's so amazing. So, wow, we'll have to touch with that. That uh, sounds like well a fun party. Yeah, That's it'll fun. be a total, total social media party to tide us over until we get together again. In is it March or I think it's in March this year? Social media marketing world. Oh, cool. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, just to kind of close out, let everyone know the best way to
4: reach. You both. Well, you can reach me on Twitter at cs has arrived, uh, which is also my Instagram handle. You can reach me there, Facebook Courtney Smith Kramer, and on Amazon, you can go find my book. Yes, <laughs> get one of the what did you say? Nine copies left. There's I, only
2: nine copies uh, left in print. Flying off the shelves. <laughs> get them <laughs> while
3: Flying off the shelves. <laughs> I am at Brian Kramer everywhere. Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And so, if you either Google search it or plug it into any social media, it'll it'll come up there. And then we also just launched a new video series that dives deep into how to stay relevant when the the machines are coming. And that's really um, it was probably one of the most fun things I've put together recently. And you can get that uh, video series for free at h2hcompanies.com. So h number two hcompanies.com
2: fantastic awesome well thank you guys so much you are the bomb diggity actually this is the first time we've had two on where they were in the same place so that's oh it's a first totally appropriate go warriors tonight when you listen to this on the replay it's totally not gonna not gonna have the same relevance but i just had to say it because hopefully we're gonna get a sweep tonight Sweep. sorry if you're Cavs fan (laughs) but i'm from san jose so we have the oh nice the barrier Connection.
4: All yeah,
3: right. It's, it's going to be a big game. In the house.
2: All right. Yeah. So thank you, Brian and Courtney Kramer. Thank you to Elizabeth and Jen, my co-hosts. Yes. Thank uh, you, man. As always, this has been amazing. And this closes out season one of Making a Marketer. And we will catch you next time.